Stop me if you've heard this one before. Comedy comes from truth. Okay, how about this? There's nothing more subjective than comedy. In the courts of medieval kings, jesters were often given leeway to joke about sensitive topics. Topics that for anyone else would be over the line. In today's world of social responsibility, we ask stand-up comedians exactly where that line should be drawn. And just as importantly, who should hold the pen? I'm Austin Toy. This is Laughing Matters. It's like, I think every comedian's had the experience where they think of something in the shower and they're like, oh my God, I'm glad no one else heard that. Slow down and think about it. If you want to be provocative about it, you better be damn fucking good at it. I wish there was that long prop cane that could just yank them off stage. No, it's, it's not going to hurt you. Hearing somebody else's opinion is not going to hurt you. It's okay. Like, if you're not being raw, they know. Say whatever the fuck you want to say, but understand that there's going to be consequences. White guys' voices are the default. White guys are the ones who matter. I feel like I'm using the word unfortunately a lot. That would be a miracle if you made a joke where nobody got offended and everybody laughed. For this episode of Laughing Matters, I spoke with Dr. Jake Quilty Dunn, Assistant Professor of Philosophy and Philosophy Neuroscience Psychology at Washington University in St. Louis. To us, it was a little bit annoying that stand-up comedians, every time they got into trouble, would say, you know, oh, we're just joking. This isn't really, people are taking this as if we're making, we're out there delivering speeches or something. Um, but then at the same time, when the pressure was off and it was more, you know, reflecting about what stand-up is, uh, that you have a lot of uh, comedians who view themselves as truth-tellers. And, and that always just puzzled us, that there was this kind of incoherence in uh at least our perception was how a lot of comedians view themselves and what they're doing. Dr. Quilty Dunn's paper, which he co-authored with Jesse Rappaport, is called Stand-Up Comedy, Authenticity and Assertion. It was published in the Journal of Aesthetics and Art Criticism in 2020. One idea that runs very deep in uh, literature on stand-up comedy and also in how comedians talk about what they do and I think how, the, I would imagine how they think about uh, their their work as they're crafting it is the idea that it's about um, telling the truth in some deep sense that it's a form of commentary and it is an interesting striking thing about the history of stand-up comedy if you look at its roots in really what was very much not truth-telling kind of vaudevillian um, uh, you know people like Henny Youngman you know take my wife please like that was kind of the the roots of stand-up comedy and then you see in the 50s and 60s, this kind of move towards more observational comedy, people like Mort Saul, um, Woody Allen, Bob Newhart. And it kind of goes into the direction of more like, oh, this person has a take on everyday life or on their own life. Um, and they're, you know, uh, delivering it in a way that's really um, fun to listen to. And then, you know, pretty quickly, you see it maturing into Carlin and Pryor in the 70s, um, who I think, I, I think still to this day, people sort of view that as the height of the, the medium. Um, uh, the, those specials from, uh, especially from Pryor. And you see there, like Pryor, it seems like, was an incredibly insightful, um, intelligent critic 
of racism and, and society in general. And, you know, same for George Carlin. In their paper, Quilty Dunn and Rappaport suggests that disagreement over what should or shouldn't be said on stage may stem from two distinct ideas of what stand-up comedy is all about. Is it about speaking truth to power and promoting social or political agendas? Or is it purely a performance where getting a laugh is all that matters? You know, that has blossomed into now you see people saying things like comedians are the philosophers of today. So I think that this is a, you can kind of see the trajectory of this uh, self-image of stand-up comedy as an art form that's really about uh, offering uh, interpretation and critique of contemporary society. Um, so that's the kind of truth-telling conception of stand-up comedy. But then at the end of the day, I mean, it clearly just is very different from going out on stage and delivering a speech. The other conception of stand-up comedy is really um, as a way of being funny, that that's the point. It's not, to, it's not really to tell the truth, and telling the truth is, is instrumentally useful sometimes for being funny. But the main point is to kind of joke around, make the audience laugh, and that's it. Um, and I think comedians disagree with each other sometimes. If you listen, you know, there's been a, a, a glut of uh, comedians speaking uh, on podcasts and so on for the past like 10, 15 years, where you hear a lot about how they think about comedy. And I think they kind of disagree with each other sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, it seems to us that these are two, seem to me and Jesse Rappaport, um, that these were two ways of thinking about stand up and that. The kind of vacillation between the two uh, often happens in response to criticism of uh, certain stand-up acts as being offensive. It's like, well, why, you know, you're getting all up in arms about something that's really ultimately just joking around, trying to make people laugh. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately they are compatible, but I think um, it requires a sort of subtler view of what stand comedians are doing. Um, and so, like, the approach that Jesse uh, and I took was really thinking about is stand-up the kind of thing that allows you to really uh, go on stage and make assertions the way that you might if you're delivering a speech? Like, it seems like when Chomsky gets up and talks about, you know, um, uh, U.S. action in Iraq, he's making, a, he's making claims, he's making assertions in the ordinary way that you and I are when we're having this conversation. Um, and our question was, do comedians literally tell the truth in that way? Like, if we can kind of think about from a philosophy of language, linguistics perspective about what it, what it actually is to assert something? I think aspects of comedy come from truth. There is an element of truth to all of it. Is it actually the truth? No, but there's an element of truth to it. That's Chicago comic Nina Kern. That's Nina, not Nina. That may come up later. I asked Nina for her thoughts on stand-up's role in society. Um, I think, unfortunately, the way that society has gone, that we have come to a point where, like, it was almost needed for performance art to have statements. Um, whereas, like, well, and maybe arguably it always needed to be that way, but I think that it is a very smart platform to use because you are going to reach an audience that wouldn't maybe would maybe not normally think about these topics. Does that make sense? So 
I think to say, because you could say the same thing about music, like, oh, well, you don't need to send a message through your music. I just need to dance to this or I just need to relax to this. And it's like, well, as the artist, I think that I think that I should be able to make whatever statement I want to make, whether or not it be political or controversial or anything like that. I think there's a fine, I think there's a line between like advocating for something and using comedy to advocate for it and also to just be straight up offensive. I think there is a line. Our answer ultimately was no. Um, And I think, you know, it might be compatible with that, that comedians can still be uh, performing social commentary in other ways. Like there are lots of ways that you can indirectly comment on society, you know, the way that you, the author of a play or a movie might. And we kind of can get that, I think, you know, there's a, I was thinking about this recently. There's a scene in Taxi Driver where Martin Scorsese actually is, uh, plays a bit part. Have you seen Taxi Driver? Well, Robert De Niro is this deranged taxi driver and he keeps having these weird experiences in New York City that ultimately drive him into um, complete madness. And one of them is uh, a guy sitting in his backseat who's played by Martin Scorsese. And I won't go through what he says. It's like a horrifying, misogynistic rant that he delivers. Um, But we kind of get that, like, that's not really Martin Scorsese. And even though he's the director and even though he's the person saying the words, we can kind of get some distance uh, between what he's saying and maybe what the point of the movie is. And maybe maybe you do think that that movie has a kind of um, uh, incorrect take on, you know, crime or uh, or urban life or something. But you can kind of see that it's a little more indirect than simply reading the words that are written and treating them as if the person who wrote the script is actually asserting them. Um, and so I think like that might be the right way to think about the so-called truth-telling function of stand-up is that it's not that people are giving speeches, but they're putting on a performance of a certain kind and that allows you to infer more indirectly what their attitudes are. Because there are definitely comics in this scene who have statements that are made in their in their comedy. Um, and I don't, I don't think that they, that makes them a better comic. I don't think that makes them a lesser comic. It's just how they, that that's just their style of comedy. And I think that's, I think it's completely fine, but I think it's also completely fine to not have this giant statement as well. Comedians back in the day, like you've got Richard Pryor and some of these other people who they may not have been making like, they weren't doing what Dave Chappelle and some other people did where they're making like blatant statements. You know what I mean? But they still were, I don't want to say pushing it, but they were still like raising some sort of awareness or exposing people to things they've never been exposed to before. It just wasn't done in such a um, obvious way. I think that we as people and we as a society have maybe gotten a little bit better because these things, these issues are being brought to light in ways they had never been brought to light before. It's inherently sort of ambiguous. I think maybe all art is, but um, stand-up seems like something that's inherently ambiguous where uh, it's often not really clear, you know, like in Carlin's case, obviously he's not literally recommending that you do that, like that you install bungee cords at the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, 
but maybe you know it's expressing a certain sort of uh like uh misanthropic attitude in general um and so and you know you, you also might you know personally if you had some kind of uh a personal relationship to someone who had committed suicide that joke just might not be funny at all to you and and you might even like attribute more of a um, malicious intent to Carlin so yeah I think like th that's got to be a, a really difficult um, tightrope walk for stand-up comedians to uh, be able to play around with really dark ideas that would be insane if you just said them sincerely um, and of course that's going to hit people the wrong way, kind of inevitably. Nina! Not Nina! I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I forgot my own fucking name. But I figured out a way to get people to remember my name. I started saying, my name's Nina. Like 9-11. Again. Now you'll never forget. <laughs> I did that joke in Ohio one time. Went it went great. It went great. So I was in Indiana last week or maybe two weeks ago. No, last week. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was in Indiana and I was like, well, this worked in Ohio, so it'll work here did not did not work it did not work and i was like oh no um and i was just like i just kind of like brushed it off and was just like okay we're a 9-11 crowd here um and then just kept going and luckily i won them back but um yeah that that joke usually works but um that was definitely time it did not work and i was like all right <laughs> I definitely tend to find that that joke works pretty well with people 40 and under and then people who are like, yeah, 40 and older tend to not really laugh at that one as much. And I do think that the impact of that tragedy hit us differently because like when 9-11 happened, I was eight years old. So you know, like there's definitely things I remember about that day. I definitely remember that day, but like the actual aftermath of that was something that like, I didn't really have to deal with, if that makes sense. 9-11 didn't have the impact on me that it has with those people who are like in their fifties and sixties. So they don't laugh at that joke. But I also sometimes do go with that mindset of like well you don't have to laugh at it but I'm gonna tell it and if you hate me you hate me and if you don't you don't because part of that joke is like my name's Nina like Nina 11 now you'll never forget and it's like yeah we this happened 20 years ago granted it was a tragedy grant it was a terrorist attack but what we sit here and remember 20 years later is an everyday occurrence in some places around the world. So like, it's a little, I, do I think we should forget about it? Absolutely not. But like every year on 9-11, we're like, never forget. And it's just like, okay, guys, this is like, it's an excuse to be racist is what I think it is. And a lot of people would disagree with me, but 
It's like, it just fuels Islamophobia. Because they're like, oh, it's when we banded together as a country. It's like, no, we just became really racist. We became really, really racist. We didn't band together. The way that uh, Jesse Rappaport and I were thinking was that there are certain norms that are part of stand-up comedy that kind of explain why we um, have this impression that the performance is a kind of literal speaking um, and that they involve like the feeling of authenticity. Like, uh, you know, if you accuse a comedian of not writing their own material today, that's like a really big accusation. Like there's there was a thing about this a few years ago with Kevin Hart, where a few other comedians accused him of not writing his material. And then, you know, he there's a video of him like defending himself on some radio show. And he's like almost tearful. But, you know, it's that intense of a it's like, uh, you know, it's like saying that a rap it's like accusing a rapper of not writing their own lyrics. It's like that level of uh, you're really attacking their integrity as an artist. And they also tend to perform, uh, you know, under their own name um and there's usually not a character uh involved it's like when dave chappelle is telling stand-up he's dave chappelle that's part of the you know idea that everyone understands this is a guy going up there and telling you know performing material that he's written himself people forget we are not who we are on stage i'm a little more myself i'm a little more like transparent and me but there are a lot of comedians so they get on that stage and they're a character. Like this is a caricature of either themselves or someone else. And I think a lot of people forget that. One thing that's interesting is more recently you've seen people kind of going more in a direction where it almost does feel more like they're just kind of giving a speech. Um, and I think Dave Chappelle in, in more recently has started to kind of seem like he's delivering political sermons in in his act um and i think you know famously uh, a lot of people have um talked about the implications of hannah gadsby's uh first special where she kind of deliberately says she's stopping the art form or like you know bumping up against the limits of the art form i went into that nanette special not knowing what i was going into thinking I was watching a normal comedy special and then it just like fucking wrecked me i was like what am i watching it was horrible. I mean, it wasn't, no, it was great. But like, oh, emotionally, it was just like, that was really a hard watch. That's a potential trend in stand-up where you see, you know, people kind of using the uh, platform of stand-up comedy to do something that's not really exactly what I would think of as at least kind of core classic stand-up comedy, where people are just kind of trying to um, deliver political views with less of a focus on trying to be funny and in general i mean that that concerns me a little bit because that doesn't sound like a very at least a very entertaining approach to stand up i asked professor quilty dunn about dave chappelle's recent comedy special the closer many called for the special to be pulled from netflix for what they felt were transphobic jokes the special has sparked much disagreement even within the stand-up community I, I, it did seem to me like he was more um, trying to deliver a political viewpoint on this, you know, on this really controversial issue about um, trans people. Uh, and it kind of made me reinterpret some of his earlier specials. I mean, he had in, in his earlier specials, he had there was also a lot of controversy about 
um, uh, what seemed like jokes about trans people. And the jokes were pretty um, offensive and mean. But to me, at least, you know, maybe partly because I'm coming at this from a, you know, I'm a, from a position of privilege as a, as a cis man, but I, I viewed them as offensive, mean, hurtful jokes that were jokes. Like, it seemed to me like he was trying to be funny and it, it didn't seem like he clearly had a kind of very well thought out political standpoint. But in, in the more recent special, it seemed to me that it made me interpret those differently and, and think that he actually was trying to indicate through his stand-up act. Uh, like he said, I'm on team turf, if I remember correctly. I think Isn't so. Isn't that right? If I remember yeah. right. Um, so that made me think he's really trying to do something more than simply make people laugh, which he always has. I mean, he always has been trying to um, provide some kind of insightful commentary, but it seems like, yeah, uh, he's really, um, in this issue, kind of gone in a very politically deliberate direction. So it makes me, you know, find the previous specials more uh, offensive and more um, emblem, not merely offensive. I mean, something that's important to point out here is you can in your, you can in your heart as a comedian just be trying to be funny and not have any kind of standpoint on a topic, except that you're trying to be funny about it and say something that's horrible. Right. And we all, I think, get that, that you can be really offensive and mean while simply trying to be funny but in dave Chappelle's case yeah the 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 context of um the portions of his act where he is just kind of delivering political statements makes me not only think that the other jokes are offensive and mean but that there's actually a kind of uh um sincerity behind them which is disturbing you know what it's really hard because i am a cisgendered white woman and i do not have the struggles that the black community has i do not have the struggles that the lgbtq plus community has so it's a little hard for me to say no that's totally like he never should have said that but then it's also hard for me to be like you know i I understand why the lgbtq plus community was offended by what he said However, if you look at that stand-up special objectively and you look at that stand-up special through the eyes of someone who is part of the Black community, I think that you can see the point he was trying to make. Um, Do I think he needs to be, and hopefully like this doesn't cancel me when I say this, I don't think he should be canceled for what he said. However, I do see how he was offensive. Um, do I think that, that there were certain things that were said that maybe he shouldn't have said? Yes. And I had a very interesting conversation with somebody in the stand-up community here about how I wished when he closed that set, that special, I wished he would have changed one word in his last sentence because he, because I remember the last sentence was he was talking about his friend who was trans who committed suicide and he said I knew your father like he was talking about meeting um that comic who committed suicide's daughter and he was going to say I knew your father he was a wonderful woman and what I wished Dave Chappelle would have done when he said that last sentence that I think maybe would have saved him a little bit of this controversy but like again I'm just a newer I'm a newer comic I don't 
actually know. But what I wish he would have said was, I knew your father. She was a wonderful woman. Even just like subtle little word changes here and there, I think would have lessened the blow of that controversy. I think actually, in a way, I sort of see Chappelle and Gatsby as more similar in their attitude towards stand-up comedy, because both of them, you know, seem to me like two good examples of people who have recently um, kind of taken their stand-up in a direction that's closer to delivering uh, like a, 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 a speech that's pushing. I think Hannah Gatsby would agree with this description of Nanette, that she kind of stops doing stand-up comedy at a certain point. Um, uh, at least that's how I interpret her intentions. And I think Chappelle probably doesn't view himself as not doing stand-up, but I mean, maybe it's ironic, I would, but I would view them as actually um, closely aligned in, in their approach to stand-up comedy. What, one thing that Jesse Rappaport and I were thinking about when we wrote our paper was um, there's a Louis C.K. bit where he it's one of in one of his earlier specials i can't remember which one but he says um i was in a bar the other day it doesn't matter when because i'm lying and then he continues on telling the joke you can't do that in a real conversation right you can't say and this is actually something that dissertations have been written about like you can't say it's raining outside right now but i don't believe that it's raining outside right now um and th that's called a more paradox where th that sentence actually could be true. It could be true that it's raining outside and I don't realize that it is. But I can't assert both of those things at once. And the general phenomenon there seems to be that if you're making a sincere assertion as you, as you speak, that somehow commits you to the truth of what you're saying and, and to the fact that you believe what you're saying. And in stand-up comedy, that, those rules don't seem to apply where you can undercut the legitimacy of what you're saying, uh, the truth of what you're saying, and the fact that you don't really believe what you're saying, and yet still continue on with the performance, and it can be equally successful as a stand-up performance. It's a, a form of pretend speech, but also has this sort of seeming authenticity where it's, it is a person going out as themselves, delivering material that they wrote. It kind of allows you to play around uh, a bit and and say things that you might not get away with saying in an ordinary conversation where it's understood that you're literally sincerely asserting things. Hmm. Um, so that does, I think, that combination of the insincerity of the speech that you're engaging in together with the kind of presumed authenticity of uh, your performance uh, as something that you as a person are performing material that you've written it kind of makes stand-up fertile ground for various forms of commentary, I think. And just the fact that it's, of course, it's a long-form spoken performance uh, that is entertaining enough that lots of people will look at it. Maybe that's the more important factor that, like, not that many people want to hear someone deliver an hour-long speech on a topic, but they would love to watch, um, you know, Norm MacDonald talk for an hour. It is, it is interesting to me that more recently, it seems like the relevance of the political content of stand-up is controversy itself and, and like people getting upset at stand-up comedians is going too far. That seems like the more common role that stand-up is playing. And I'm not sure how useful 
it is right now. I mean, that's a kind of a pessimistic take, but I, I don't, I, I see in general stand-up as, uh, as having been more useful maybe in the past, um, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a bit pessimistic about the role of stand-up in our current cultural moment. You know, I have never once felt like my free speech was hindered. And if you're like, oh, I can't tell this racist joke and this is my right to say like these horrible things. It's like, maybe you're just a shitty person. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you just shouldn't be saying that. People have asked me, they're like, well, do you think there's certain jokes that should, like certain topics that shouldn't be joked about? And I have said in regular conversations, I'm like, you can joke about whatever you want to. I don't have to laugh. Next time on Laughing Matters. What if the president ate a live baby feet first on TV? You know, like that's offensive to a lot of people. I said it a lot about Trump. Join us.